make sure when you are interviewing that you're also interviewing them and asking questions about, you know, whatever your personal values and beliefs are um, or, you know, understanding their management style to the best of your ability, understanding team dynamics um, and knowing yourself and knowing how that will play in um, was the first thing. Because, you know, just because you get a job offer, you don't need to take it if it's not a good fit for you, too. Because um, you want to be somewhere where you're really going to feel like you can thrive and that they'll invest in you. Hello, it's Marcy Bullock with season two of your favorite career readiness podcast. Learn tips on personal and professional development. Hear inspiring stories of overcoming obstacles. I devote my life to helping other people figure out what to devote theirs to. This is Marcy Bullock with the most important five P's. Stay present, trust the process, explore your path, release the pressure valve, and unleash your potential. My name is Ann Hubbard. I am an academic advisor in the College of Agriculture and Life Sciences at NC State. I have along with me my colleague Bianca, and we have a great panel with us. I'm going to go ahead and have our panelists start out and introduce themselves, uh, and we'll go from there. So, um, Sarah, you're kind of first on my screen up there. If you want to go ahead and get us started. Hi, everyone. My name is Sarah Sutton. Um, I graduated from NC State in May of 2013 with a degree in nutrition science. Um, and I live in Washington, D.C. now. So um, I currently work for the Trade Association Pharma or the Pharmaceutical Research and Manufacturers of America. And I actually do public affairs on our state government team. Thank you. Uh, Hillary, you're next on my screen. Hi everyone, my name is Hillary Flannery. I graduated from NC State in 2014. I was a human biology major and I now currently live in Raleigh working as a project manager in the CRO space, um, specifically in oncology clinical trials. Wonderful, happy to have you here. DT Oliver, I'm going to hand it over to you. Hey everyone, I'm DT Oliver. I got a bachelor's in statistics from NC State in 2016 and then a master's in analytics from NC State in 2017. Uh, currently, I'm living in Washington, D.C. and I'm on the data analytics team at Feeding America. So it's great to be with y'all. Thank you. Thank you. Kelly? Hey everyone, my name is Kelly Pirro. I graduated from NC State in 2016 with a degree in mathematics. Um, I'm currently living in Charlotte, North Carolina. I work for an HR consulting company called Alight Solutions, and I work in a kind of weird department. We call it HRIT. So I do a little bit of HR things and a little bit of IT things. Great. Uh, Lexi, I have you next on my screen. Hi, everyone. I'm Lexi Bynum. Um, I graduated from NC State in 2019 with a degree in statistics. Um, I'm currently loca located in Charleston, South Carolina. I work for the Boeing company. Um, so all the airplanes that you see up in the sky are normally from Boeing. Um, I currently work in an IT rotational program. So um, in my few years, I've had three different jobs. And right now I'm su uh, supporting our Microsoft 365 implementation. Thank you, wonderful. Holly? Hey everybody, my name is Holly Ramage. I'm an 06 and 08 grad of the food science department at NC State. And um, after my master's program in food science, I moved on to Plano, Texas, where I am a principal scientist for PepsiCo and our Frito-Lay division. And I do research and development on yummy, yummy snacks. I think we also have one more panelist joining us. Um, just a moment. Yes, we have Mackenzie Jackson joining us. Mackenzie, we've just been doing introductions. If you would like to uh, provide a brief introduction for our group. Hi, my name is Mackenzie Jackson. I did my master's and undergrad um, at NC State in food science. And right now I'm working at an early stage company in RTP called Panaceutics. Um, and they're working to revolutionize the way people take supplements. Great. Well, we are really excited to have you all joining us and thank you to all of our attendees. That's awesome to see these numbers. To get us started until we get some of those questions, uh, for any of our panelists, um, what's the best piece of advice that you have for, for students to achieve their career goals? I can start. So I would say the best piece of advice I would give you is be very open-minded. 
Um, so personally for me, when I was in, um, undergrad, I wanted to be an actuary. That's what I wanted to use my degree for and become. Um, and my senior year, things just didn't line up for that to pan out for my starting out job, um, after graduation. And so I started looking at some other opportunities that I could plug into to start out and then maybe later on transition into something actuarial. Um, and it was my last semester of senior year that one of my, um, mathematics teachers, kind of pulled me aside and said, hey, I know you're looking into being an actuary, but actually I think that's not the best fit for you and here's kind of why. Um, and so just that conversation really started to help me to be a little more open-minded to some other opportunities, which ended up landing me where I am now. And I've been working at the company that I'm at for almost five years and really love it, but would have told you six years ago, that's not at all what I thought I was gonna be doing. So um, I would definitely say just stay open-minded to different opportunities that come your way. Um, you never know what's going to fit your career goals that you had never imagined it would. And I want to build on that and say um, any opportunity is an opportunity. I know when I go to NC State to recruit and when we come back to look for interns and full-time hires, everybody wants that really sexy internship or that really like tier one thing. But even the, the even the lower things that you're like, oh, I don't want to do that or mm, that's just not for me. Those are the building opportunities. Those are the things where you get your feet dirty. You start learning and you might learn that you like those things or you learn, well, maybe I tried that and that was a great experience, but I'm ready to go on. So never shy away from the, the ugly like, I don't think I want to do that because an opportunity it's an opportunity and it's all about building blocks into the thing you do want to achieve too. I agree with Holly. I think, um, I mean, I'm sure if we all took a vote, like I've had to take a step back in my career in order to get where I am now. And that doesn't mean that, you know, that's a bad thing. Taking a step back definitely helped me get to where I am today. Um, and the other thing I would like to add too is think about what you want in your day to day, right? Like, I went into school thinking I wanted to be a PA and that was my goal. And then halfway through, I realized I don't want the 12 hour shifts. I'm more of an office desk person, nine to five with a set schedule. And so I completely revamped, stayed in my same major, but I'm so happy that I did that because my day to day lifestyle um, is much more suitable for me as a individual. Great. Yeah. I think building off of what Holly was saying and Hillary, um, in, in terms of being open-minded in opportunities. And I think too, in the people that you meet, um, making sure just to be kind to everyone, regardless of their status or position, because a lot of the people you know now are going to be industry leaders here in the future. So um, I think that is the biggest piece of advice is just build your network, make lots of friends, don't burn bridges. Thank you, Hillary, Holly, McKenzie, and Kelly. The next question we have for you is, what do you wish you have done? You would have done differently in college. Um, I was just gonna say, for me, I wish I would have maybe put myself out there a little bit more in college in terms of like going to info sessions and leveraging the resources that I had available to me. Um, that's how I got into my current position, and I just think, you know, if I would have showed up a little bit more or gone to some different info sessions. Where could have my career have been? I think, you know, I often straight away like, oh, you know, I'm too busy with class. I'm too busy with school to really think about that kind of stuff. But I could have really been building up my network all throughout that time um, to leverage, you know, my experience as a senior and make it a little bit easier for myself. I think um, if I could go back, I would have started asking myself the question why a lot earlier than I did. Um, I think I just naturally went into statistics because it's just what I was, I was good at math in high school and it just fit. Um, I didn't quite ask myself why I was interested in the field. And so that led to some jobs and internships that I really didn't connect with for a lot of years. And then similar to what was shared in the first question, um, you know, I had, I kind of left a very cozy job because I really didn't understand why I was doing it after a while um, and ended up taking a temp job uh, here at Feeding America. Um, which, you know, technically was a step back, but it helped me answer that question of why I was doing what I was doing better. Um, and I wish I had started asking that, myself that question a lot earlier. Just why is it that I want to do this? Why am I doing it? I think as a student, there's a lot of open doors to you. Um, and so I think I wish that I had done a little bit more um, professional interviews and just talking to people who are in different 
um, fields that my major could could kind of flow into um, because people are really open to talking to students, I think. So that's something I would definitely recommend doing. That's great. And that actually helps us segue into some of these questions that our, our attendees are asking. The first one that we have is, when is the best time to start applying for jobs if they're graduating in December? I say the earlier, the better, honestly. <laughs> like summertime, because you never even know. Um, you could apply for a job and depending on your class schedule, you could start before you graduate. Um, I actually did that. My internship was a summer internship and I had the opportunity to stay on. So I continued with my internship at that time, it was like a full higher position while I was finishing my last semester because it was like a cushy last semester. So I would say as soon as you're able to um, just get on there and nothing is going to hurt just applying. I would echo that. And I would, I would say to, you know, start getting coffees with people that you want to connect with, or if you see a company, start doing that research on the front end, just because you don't want to get to a point where you're graduating and you're starting that process now. So I think the sooner you can kind of establish those relationships, the better, um, just because, you know, sometimes a job might show up and land in your lap really quickly, but sometimes it might take a while to, to get there. And I also think the more interviews you can have up front, the better conditioned you'll be for landing the right job that you really want. Yeah, and kind of to the point earlier of taking opportunities, go to the career fairs, go to the things. I know with the pandemic, some of that stuff is virtual and changed and everything, but take the opportunity to meet people and talk to people at different companies that you're interested in, whether you are able to apply for an internship or a job at the time. I know there's um, a handful of different um, career opportunities that our company had gone to at NC State like that. Um, and I'd met people that they weren't, you know, they were still a sophomore or things like that. But because they came so many times, their name popped up for me. And I recognized them as soon as they were able to say, hey, I'm graduating in six months. Can I really am interested in applying now. And so um, there's been a couple of cool, really opportunities like that, where those are people we ended up hiring just because of familiarity. And we talked to them so many times we got to know them. So I definitely echo the sooner the better. Um, just start the process whenever. And opportunities are out there, you know, all the time. I would say classically, get, you know, if you think about hiring seasons, it's right there in that August, September, October timeframe when a lot of people are coming onto campus to do the interviewing for full time and for internships. So that's kind of the sweet spot, but people are hiring all the time. So, um, you have to be on and ready to go at a moment's notice with your resume and um, ready to step in at any moment when you see something to go after. I think especially with COVID right now, my industry and clinical trials, we are completely understaffed and no one saw this coming, right? So again, anytime you feel that you see a position open, I would definitely apply. I think the best advice I got is there's never a great reason not to apply. Um, you know, you can always come up in your head with reasons to not apply to something, but there's never really a great reason to just not apply to something that you're at the least interested in. Uh, you know, the worst that's going to happen is they say no. Uh, or if you find out you're not interested in it, you can step back and withdraw. But at least if you see anything you're interested in, even if it's very early on, if you don't graduate till December, um, just putting yourself out there, there's, it's never going to be a bad idea. And so kind of a continuation with that, thinking about making contacts and reaching out, uh, we had a question that said, what would be the most appropriate way to reach out to your company or your HR department or your recruiters um, after using the connection here today? How would you recommend our students to reach out? Well, I think I'm in a, oh, sorry, an early stage company. Um, so it's a lot less formal. So I would say, you know, reach out via LinkedIn and then happy to connect to you with anybody internally. But I know it's different for different uh, size companies. I think LinkedIn is a great initial yeah, launching platform for sure. I would say, too, just as you're looking at positions, even if they don't necessarily have a position or a role that's open that you necessarily want, a lot of times different companies, depending on how big they are, will have you know people and you can see what their role is and what they do and just connecting with them that way on LinkedIn and just saying, I'm interested in what you do. Um, not necessarily going to them saying, like, I need a job, but more or less, like, tell me about the work that you do, tell me about your company, um, and kind of making that connection that way. And that way also, you know, when a position does become available, you want them to remember you and your name to come to mind so that they can, you know, reach back out to you. 
And then another great piece of advice I was told is, you know, anytime you do one of these coffees or you meet with someone, like always ask them, is there anyone else I should meet with or anyone else I should talk with? So you're constantly kind of like broadening your, your connections. Yeah. And kind of going off of that, definitely. If you're having a conversation with somebody, just ask them, Hey, like, I would love to follow up with you, or I'd love to keep finding out more information. How's the best way to contact you? Um, that's sometimes the easiest way to get that answered question, question answered is just to ask. Yeah. I think I'd have to echo everyone. Uh, my company is much bigger. So, um, just casting a wide net is my biggest recommendation, making sure you're reaching out. Like our job postings will normally have a rec- or a recruiter on listed with the job requisition. So reaching out to that person, but also reaching out to, you know, anyone else who might be um, in those roles, like people were saying earlier on the panel. Thank you. We have a question that's specifically for Hillary. Um, the panel, she's saying, um, I'm interested in oncology. Could you explain more about what you do in your job? So what I do, um, I'm a project manager for oncology studies. So when Um, A pharmaceutical company comes to us and we win an award for a new drug that they have. They will hire our company um, to run that trial for them. So I'm the project manager. There are many other roles that go into uh, working as a team. So we'll have a clinical lead that helps work with the sites who then works with the patients. Um, We'll have a data team. We'll have a statistics team. We'll have a safety team. And as the project manager, you're kind of the driving force and organizer behind all of that. Um, Also managing budgets and timelines and contracts, as well as, you know, receiving the data from the clinical sites um, and managing it and making sure it's in the appropriate hands. So all of this plays in and then will then be submitted to the FDA for approval. So this COVID-19 drug has been a very expedited view of what we normally do. Normally a drug will take about 10 years to come to market, but the COVID-19 happened very quickly. And a lot of people are very happy about that. There's another question for Holly. It says, hi, Holly, I'm interested in an R&D position. Do you think a PhD is mandatory if I want to get into R&D or should I even start with them after a master's? PhDs, if you want to work in the industry, are definitely not a requirement for R&D food industry jobs. Um, We do hire PhDs at PepsiCo, but for specialty areas. So if you think about um, the rise of plant proteins right now in the industry, uh, we're looking for people to have plant protein PhDs uh, because that's a trend that we need to build our expertise in. But, you know, sometimes we ha- you have a Ph.D. specialty that is just not what we're looking for. And so it kind of it corners you very quickly um, into a small hole of what your resume is saying you're capable of doing. Um, and I would say that most R&D people um, at a larger food company are more generalist. And we have a very broad scope of a lot of different tools and techniques and technologies and we can manipulate them in any way we need to. Um, so I definitely think um, if you're looking for R&D and you're looking for product development, probably a master's is really all I would recommend. Unless you really love that technical area that you're wanting to continue in further. Um You got to do what you love. If you love going deep into the subjects, going deep into science, writing research papers, grants, really understanding the weeds of it all, a PhD is wonderful. If you're looking for application of science in a food industry at a company like PepsiCo or Kraft, uh, a master's is very flexible. You have had some research experience in a master's program, and that gives you the fluidity to be able to come in and really just go in multiple ways. So it really depends on what you want. But um, for the roles that I work with and the people that I interface with in R&D, I would say a master's is as much as you would need. Thank you. And kind of talking about that and uh, qualifications, um, we did have someone ask about how do you talk about your qualifications if you don't yet have that much experience? I see that Kelly was Uh, starting to type an answer. So any of our panelists, you know, how do you uh, recommend that our attendees uh, talk about that experience or qualifications when they're still building that? Yeah, what I was going to answer for this one is 
maybe talk about some of the like soft skills that are not necessarily specific to a job. So um, things that can be very applicable to multiple different jobs and just really good skill sets to have. So for example, um, like critical thinking or analytical thinking, a lot of jobs require things like that. Um, and it's something great that you can pull from experiences you already have had in college or even internships or other jobs, even like um, that may not be specific to an industry. Um, there's a lot of things that you can pull that you may not think of. So um, I, I think like communication skills is another big one. Um, just like a lot of those kind of soft skills are really big to every job. Um, so I think personally for me, like I do look for people who um, are able to communicate very well because we talk to our clients every day. We have to talk to people internally every day. Communication is very key to being successful at what I do. Um, same thing with those like analytical and problem solving skills. Um, very, very important to my day in my day out work. And those are things that you can get in a, like a lot of different experiences. You don't have to have HR experience um, or IT experience um, in my field to be able to grab those. So um, that would be my suggestion is try to think about qualifications you have that are soft skills that are very applicable to every job. You could also list um, things you're interested in learning. You know, maybe I took one course on this, but I would love to learn about this. You know, even just having that on your resume, because what they may do is just do like a search feature on resumes. And if they see it pop up on yours, even if it says you're interested or would love to learn more about this, I think that helps you as well. Yeah, I would uh, bounce off of that too and just say, hey, take all the bullet points from the job posting and think about, like Kelly was saying, what other things you've done that may be good frameworks for those skill sets. Saying, hey, I haven't done that specifically, but I've used problem solving in these other areas that I think will transfer. Thank you. Our next question is, what are your recommendations for maintaining network connections beyond establishing the initial connection with people? Um, I, I'm, I find myself just setting up tag-ups with them. Uh, checking in with them, seeing how they're doing, seeing what role they're in now or what kind of challenges they're facing now with the current pandemic, just really finding an excuse to talk to them and ask them more questions. Um, that's really what I find myself doing. And sometimes I build up rapport enough to where they're connecting back with me. Um, so just really making sure you're investing in, you know, getting to know them as a person and, you know, whatever, you know, that relationship has that you're interested in, really digging and using curiosity to kind of uh, build that up. One other outlet that I've used is um, professional societies. So um, for food science, we have Institute of Food Technologists, which is a national organization. And then each region has kind of sub chapters. And so I have found the sub chapter of my region to be really active. And it's a way for me not only to um, just keep the connections I have, but there's always an influx of new folks and there's a national meeting. And, and so um, don't discredit your professional organizations in your fields. Okay, thank you. So our next question that's been voted up is what do you recommend doing if you come across an internship or a job position that you're interested in and you meet most of the qualifications and there are certain skills that you don't have, but you would hope to learn through that job or internship? For instance, there's a lot of one to three years of experience preferred, but for an internship or an entry level, which seems to be a paradox sometimes. I mean, I think when they when when the they're making the hiring managers making those job posting, they're saying, okay, what's my gold star? Like, you know, all holds barred. If I could have the perfect candidate, it would check every one of these boxes. And I think um, most hiring managers are realistic to to say, hey, this is what we prefer. And if you know you are able to make it to an interview and you have those great you know communication skills and you connect. Um, I mean, honestly, like go for it. You know, the worst they can say is, no, you don't quite match what we need. But, you know, and you can always ask for feedback after that as well. So always go for it um, if you feel like you match a lot of it and it's something you'd actually really be passionate about doing. I would echo that. And then I would also say a lot of times, too, even if necessarily the job that you're specifically trying to or the position you're going for, there might be something that's lower, they might create a position for you if they really like you and maybe you weren't quite qualified for this one. It doesn't necessarily mean there might be another fit in the company or the organization. So I would absolutely say if you think you qualify for at least like 50%, 70%, absolutely apply or at least, you know, again, the worst they're going to say is you're not qualified for this, but like, you know, thank you for applying. So I'm a sneaky way that I've maneuvered that situation before is on the sort of resume cover letter, kind of confidently talk about the things that you do meet 
in that job description. And then if they ever bring up like a question around what's something that you think you could improve on or sort of a, a weakness question, then I'll kind of refer back to the job description on, you know, this was mentioned as a preferred skill. And even though I've kind of dabbled with it or, you know, I've heard about it a bit, it would be something I'd love to learn more here. So it's kind of a professional way of addressing that. Um, kind of sneaky too. <laughs> Okay, thank you. Um, we have another question. So someone says they're currently doing their PhD in biomedical engineering, and they're trying to move into the data, data analytics world. Is it possible to get a job in that field that isn't necessarily exactly what you've been studying? Or do you need to really get more background in that area first? Um, you, uh, so I, I, so I'm a manager of analytics where I work, and I definitely have colleagues that didn't necessarily major in something like analytic. Um, but at some point, they've kind of either taken some of the free courses that are out there, um, whether it be, I know there's a lot of them at this point, and I can't remember the names of all of them, but there are some free courses out there where you can learn things like R or Python or uh, Tableau. Um, so I've seen where some people have kind of taken it upon themselves to learn outside of their degree. So I don't think you necessarily you know, need to worry about getting an actual degree in analytics or statistics, as long as you kind of have a general knowledge of how data works and have at least kind of worked a little bit with it. Um, I think continuing education, like you said, is huge um, and very obtainable to do while you work if it's something, you know, that that's your new goal in life. Um, my husband graduated from NC State as well as a history major, and he's in the same industry as I am, clinical trials. So, no, he didn't use any of his undergraduate undergraduate degree um, in his job now. But, you know, you make it work and you take the additional classes or, you know, internal training programs that you need to. A lot of the things I've seen people do when they're applying to jobs within IT is just, you know, like do a project or something um, like for data analytics space. I've seen people like analyze their Spotify data and, you know, do a whole report on that. And that's something cool that you can show that demonstrates, you know, your interest in the field, but also, you know, that you have the skills to go out and do it. Okay, great advice. Thank you. Uh, we have an attendee that's currently a master's student in statistics. And what advice do you have in terms of where they could look for internships, summer internships or other positions? I would go for LinkedIn these days. Um, and then where I found my current job was just like Google Jobs. <laughs> um, I'm probably not an expert in sort of finding jobs, but but that, at least that's what's worked for me is usually LinkedIn or just um, kind of being creative with your Google searches as well. I think that's kind of a, a learned skill, just kind of trying different words, like starting off, starting off with statistics internship and then finding different phrases that kind of might align with what you're looking for. Cause some of the jobs I found, I had to kind of be creative with what I was actually searching for. So, um, you know, trying different searches. Yeah. I think I personally just went back to like the internships that I had had before, but I guess if you're, were, you know, if you're in school, maybe that's not available to you, but just leveraging the alumni network feature on uh, LinkedIn to look for your job. Um, that's helped me a lot in getting one-on-one uh, -on -one and then, personal connections in those places. And actually, if we could expand that to the, all of our uh, panelists, you know, how did you get that first internship? Um, and do you have any advice in that process? So kind of extending that question a little bit to you all. I actually, um, I got my first, I applied for a job, I graduated, um, and I needed some kind of experience. So I originally came up to DC and worked uh, intern in Capitol Hill. Um, and I applied for an actual position there. And, um, you know, one of the main takeaways they had for me was like, you know, we really want someone that has an internship just because this is a place that people either love it or they hate it. And it's a flight risk to us. And it's a flight risk to you that if we give you this job, like we like you, if you hate it, then we're gonna have to find someone else. So they offered me a paid internship. Um, and I took the internship was there, um, six weeks and then they hired me. So a position became available and they said, you seem to be liking this. Do you like it? I said, yes. Um, and they hired me right away. So, um, and I just, you know, someone had recommended me for the job and was like, I know there's a position here. It might be worth you like reaching out. So I reached out, I think it was in August. Um, I didn't hear from them until November. So they had held on to my resume 
Um, and I had been doing some other stuff too, but, um, yeah, they called me out of the blue and were like, will you come up and interview? And I said, absolutely interviewed. And then I, they ended up giving me the internship. Um, and that was kind of the thing I was like, is it worth it for me to take an internship? If I'm really looking for a job, I don't know, but the idea of the job and the place seemed really, really exciting and really cool. So I was like, you know, I'm going to take a chance here and I'm going to go for it. Um, and it, it worked out. So, um, if I think if it excites you and it's worth it, um, you know, I would say, you know, don't be afraid to reach out, use whatever connections you have um, to help, you know, recommend you or what have you. So my first internship um, was during college. And I think it speaks to kind of using the career center while you're at NC State, because I had been speaking with um, her name at the time was Jenna was my career counselor at the College of Sciences. And um, kind of just talked about what I was wanting to do at that time, really wanted sort of an industry internship in statistics. And she had been kind of looking through all her connections and she kind of put me in touch with what was eventually my first internship at John Deere. Um, so I, I think in terms of getting that first internship, what helped me the most was just using the career center and having those conversations with them because um, they they really did help me a lot while I was there. Yep. Cal's career fair. That's where it all begins. That's why I say that fall time is where it's at because you got a sweet spot of opportunities all around you at Cal's career fair and in the fall and you hit it hard. You apply and you interview at any place that you think you might even have the slightest bit of interest until you find something. Cast your net wide. Yeah, I know um, as a food scientist, getting that first internship when I was a student working in a a lab was just going to professors that I really liked and saying, hey, do you have any research experience? Now, I know with COVID right now, that's very difficult because I don't know if they're letting undergrads um, do, like uh, be assistants um, in the labs. But I did an unpaid for a semester with a professor. And then he connected me with a professor who was looking for an intern. It was a paid position. And through that, I got some skill sets so that whenever I was applying for other internships, I had sort of a basis. Um, so that was that was my way. But then also um, to Holly's point, you know, the different majors have clubs and it was the food science club that was bringing in all of the great, um, you know, companies. And, and you get to do, you know, hear the, the, the company's portfolio and then meet them face to face and then be able to do an in-person interview. So I would say whatever your major is, uh, join the club for sure and join any professional organizations that are um, relative to your major. Thank you. Um, so one of the attendees is asking if for those who live outside of North Carolina, are there any outreach centers um, like the NC Biotech Center for your specific regions? I, I definitely think so. Part of my job now is that I have to travel. I have different states that I well, I, in non-COVID times I travel, but um, we have we work with different different organizations like NC Bio. So Ohio is one of my states. We have Ohio like Bio Ohio. We have Virginia like bio, we have, bio is like a big national company, but they have state subsects of that as well. So I definitely think there's plenty of opportunities if you're interested in that um, all over the country. Um, I think it just kind of determines, you know, where would you like to be and then maybe reaching out that way. But yes, there's definitely tons of organizations like that throughout. I don't know if my answer is uh, on par with the question, but as it relates to food banking. I don't think I did a great job explaining what I do. Um, <laughs> Feeding America is a network of 200 food banks and 60,000 food pantries all around the country. So if you're interested in sort of applying your degree to the food banking world, uh, we do have food banks in every state. Um, so not just sort of Feeding America, but um, you know, every food bank has, uh, well, most food banks are probably going to have sort of a, a data role that they want to fill. Um, I don't know if it's fully in line with the question being asked, but just throwing it out there that if you are interested in sort of a more locally based food bank type job as it relates to STEM, there are options for that. Um, so we do have one that, that's directed at specific companies, uh, PepsiCo and Panasonic, but I'm actually going to open it up to any of your organizations. But um, when it comes to hiring students who are on visas, is that something that any of you could speak about with your companies? Uh, I can speak on behalf of PepsiCo, and I would say it ebbs and flows with the politics. Um, a few years ago, we were um, taking on students with visas, um, and now we have like this weird gray rule. Um, if it's an undergrad or a master's, we won't. 
but if it's a PhD and a specialty that we do need, so again, the, the little pigeonholed area, um, we would sponsor if it was in that pigeonhole area we were looking for. So generally, I would say right now the answer is no, but in some cases, yes. I would say um, for panasutics, we, we have had an international student work as an intern, um, and I think it's sort of a case by case. Being a, a small start, a small early stage company, um, yeah, it just really depends. Does your skill set align with the project we need? So it would be just, you know, having that conversation. Yeah, and I know for our company, Light Solutions, we often don't kind of advertise that information, but it doesn't mean that it's not available. Um, so I would say if that's something that you need and are interested in, just definitely ask the question because we always are prepared to answer the question, but we're told in like those situations don't offer it without being asked. So just kind of getting that insider info from the other side, um, from the company's perspective. Um, so definitely just ask the information um, if you have that question. One of the attendees is asking, when is the best time to start applying for these research-based entry-level positions for someone who's graduating in May? You're already behind. Uh, I keep hitting this fall conversation, like August, September. Um, that's when a lot of companies are looking to hire because you're graduating in May. And so the fall is the, um, you know, they're looking for the people that are graduating in that year, in that school year. But that's not to say it's too late because, as I mentioned, there's postings on LinkedIn and it's always it's always on. Um, so I think the sweet spot and like the one with the mass opportunities might have already missed you. But that just means you've got to dig a lot harder um, to dig into websites, dig into LinkedIn to start figuring out what, where the opportunities are at. All right, thank you. Uh, continuing on, so how to find employers that offer tuition assistance and are they more competitive? Um, I'm not sure that companies that offer tuition assistance are more competitive. Uh, Boeing does offer tuition assistance um, up to a certain amount, but as far as getting the job, it was just as competitive as me landing any other job. It wasn't more so because they offered that tuition assistance and I found out about it by asking them um, in the interview about, you know, what kind of benefits come along with the job. All right. More of a, a general question. Uh, do you have any advice for building relationships among coworkers and supervisors for purposes of networking, as well as professional development and gaining feedback? I was just actually typing an answer to this. So I would say just start with someone. So pick a coworker, pick a supervisor, grab coffee with them or schedule a virtual meeting and just kind of start a conversation, get to know them better, um, both personally and professionally. Um, come with some questions that you've prepared that you want to know the answers to. Um, see where the conversation goes. You can come up with questions on the fly, but I would definitely say come prepared. And then I think at the end of that, also just ask them if there's anybody else. I think someone said this earlier in the panel, but um, ask if they have other people that they suggest you meet with and chat with. But then I would also say, don't just schedule one time of meeting with them. Schedule it decently regularly. It doesn't have to be once a month, but it could be, you know, every six months, but stay in touch with that person because I think that it speaks very loudly if you didn't do it just a one-time thing, but you kept kind of building that relationship with them ongoing. I agree with that. And I've even asked um, on my study teams if I had, you know, a director I was working with and I just loved the way that they worked with the team and got their point across and just their work ethic in general. Um, I just kind of pulled her aside and was like, look, can I meet with you quarterly just to catch up? Even if I don't have things to talk about, I can tell you what I'm doing right now. And, you know, she always has these amazing, you know, like, oh, I didn't even think of that. And I maybe I thought I was on track, but she kind of gives me more ideas. Um, so I would definitely just initiate it yourself if you find someone that you really connect with at work like that. I would I would echo that. And then I think something, too, that's just like to build a good uh, rapport with your manager or your supervisor or whatever, um, you know, don't be afraid to schedule a meeting with them and just ask direct questions like, this is the way that I like, for instance, like, I know that if I send an email to one of my managers, and they weren't getting back to me, it's not necessarily helpful for me to send a follow up email. Sometimes like that person just does better, like, oh, if I'm not responding, you just text me. I'm like, oh, okay. So it's like, you kind of just have to figure out the way that people work. Um, and so kind of asking upfront, like, when I don't hear from you, or if I need sign off on something, like, what is the best way to get in touch with you? Like, 
because, you know, especially when you first start out, you kind of have this awkward balance of like, well, I don't want to annoy them. I don't want to be too much, but at the same time, like I really need this answer. So I think kind of just like having those conversations upfront and being like, I want to make sure that I'm getting information and doing my job and getting that to you in the best way that works and makes sense for you. So kind of just understanding, because I've had managers and people that I report to that all operate very differently. Um, So I think kind of just figuring out what is the sweet spot for that person. And that way, I think it'll help establish a better relationship um, with you guys. You'll work better. um, And then it kind of takes away some of that, like, am I doing the right thing? And all those second guessing kind of questions. So I think just having those conversations is really important and makes you a better coworker. It makes you, um, and it just, it makes your work life better as well. Just kind of knowing how other people and your colleagues operate. So and I think maybe like the the other side of it too, because I think it's so good to have the structured like questions, especially with people you'd like to mentor you. But I think in terms of building rapport, there's a lot to be said for just that organic connection, you know, being friendly, saying hello to people. And um, I know I'm really hoping we all go back to face to face because I love, you know, walking through the office saying, hey, how's it going? Or, you know, going out to lunch with a colleague um, and just learning more about their personal life and what drives them. So that you can work, you know, because you're you've been hired to work with this group as a team. So just you know, being like, hey, we're all on the same team, and being friendly um, goes a long way as well. Yeah, and since I'm pretty relatively new and I'm in a rotational program, I'm always starting a new position. Um, so a good way I go about like connecting with people that I don't work directly with but are on my team. I'm like, you know, hey, I'm new. Um, I really just kind of want to learn about what you do and just kind of falling back on, you know, being having less experience and really kind of using that to my advantage. Um, people are people love talking about themselves. Um, and so using that to really get to know them. Um, and then as far as feedback goes, I have a weekly um, meeting with my manager. Um, and in those meetings, I can discuss whatever I want to. I can come with an agenda and, you know, just really kind of talk to him and, you know, give any feedback I want to. Um, and we also have tools within our company where we can send uh, through a, a tool that uh, requests feedback for us. And so in that feedback, we always do a start, stop, continue. So what should I start? What should I stop? And what should I continue? Um, and I think that's a good way to kind of frame conversations around feedback. Thank you. So we have a kind of a specific question um, about an internship opportunity. So the question is, would it be better to go ahead and accept a very short term opportunity um, one month for this summer or reject it and continue continue internship applications for this summer? I think that's a very personal thing. Is the internship in something you're really interested in? Is it going to give you some really great skill sets for your resume? Or is it, you know, just a general, you know, internship that's not really going to be a value add that I'd say, you know, go for something longer term. All right. Great advice. Thank you. Um, so pharmaceuticals and clinical trials encompass many different types of positions. For those of you in these positions, how did you decide what type of job you wanted within that industry? I can start with this one. Um, I did a lot uh, with Marcy, the personality tests, right? <laughs> that I think it was the Myers-Briggs and I'm sure there's a ton more now, but once I realized like what my personality type was, that really drove me to, um, you know, the specific area that I wanted to. I mean, there of course are more specifics behind it. You know, are you a data person? Are you a safety person? Um, do you want to work with patients? But I think, again, it came down to my personality and kind of being like the, the type A organizer friend. I realized, you know, I can take my personal personality and just pour it into work as well. And I think that makes your position a lot more effective if you can just continue what you do um, inside and outside of work and kind of parallel your strengths. All right. Thank you. Um, we do have time for a few more questions, though. Um, another question was, um, I've heard from someone applying to grad school right now that if you're paying to go to grad school, then you're doing something wrong. What organizations would pay for someone to go to grad school and how would I apply for them to sponsor me? I was commenting on that. I don't know that you're necessarily doing something wrong. Um, like I said, Vaughn does offer for you to pay for your tuition or for your degree. 
But that comes with me still working my 40 hour week and going to grad school. So if that's something you're willing to do, and you know, a lot of us will, and I'm applying to grad school now, that's something I've been okay accepting, but I know a lot of people who would prefer to dedicate that time to their studies. So if that's you, um, then, you know, you're not doing anything wrong. Um, that, that's just try to figure out what's best for you. And as far as how to apply about it, most uh, larger companies anyway have preferred partnerships with universities um, and kind of make that uh, make that really simple. Um, like I just go and click a couple dots on a form and I've <laughs> they're paying for my school. So um, it, it just depends on where you are and what you want. Yeah, and I think, I mean, having grad school paid for, if you're doing a research project, um, like a thesis-based one, at least in a lot of the STEM majors, there will be like a, a graduate assistantship. But um, so I think that would be the other way you could have your grad school paid for and also have a, a stipend to live off of as well. Um, if, if you're looking to, you know, not rack up those tuition bills. And I would also say know why you're going to grad school. Just because you don't know what you want to go do next, that's not a reason to go to grad school. Um, just because you don't know what to go do next. Because grad school is... And a, a physical, emotional, mental commitment uh, that will put you in debt if you don't have other ways to pay for it. So maybe you um, you should be looking for a job first to even figure out if additional school is even necessary. Um, do not go to grad school because that's the only option you have. That's I think that's a really poor way to look at graduate school. I would echo that completely. I think even just looking at me when I graduated from college to what I'm doing now, if I was to choose a master's program right when I graduated, it would not at all be relevant to what I'm doing now. So I think, um, I think too, like maybe just getting a job or two at first. And when you come to the point where it's like, okay, I need to get this grad school education to help further me in the career path that I'm on. Then I think that's kind of like a turning point when you look at that. Um, but I would say I know my company and the previous two places I've worked, um, they all offer assistance if you want to go um, to grad school. So I think a lot of companies do do that. Um, so I think it's always um, there's ways around that for sure. Um, but I, I would agree. I, I'd make sure you really want to go to grad school and why, know why you want to just because I, I think just my career path has taken a very different turn from when I graduated. Um, so I think it was it was wise for me to go directly into the, the workforce first, just because I didn't quite know what I wanted to do exactly. Also, remember that most companies, if they do pay for your school, you have to sell your soul a bit in order to, you have to stay there, right? You can't just get your degree and leave. So again, make sure you're at a company that you like and getting a degree that you like and will use, because um, you're probably going to be there while you kind of work off your debt to them. Yeah, definitely would echo that um, idea because I personally have an experience with a coworker that when I started working at the company, um, they were about to start the process of pursuing their master's and our company paid for them to get their master's. But then like three weeks after graduating with their master's, they quit and it burned some bridges with some upper management people. Um, and so while I was indirectly involved in that, like I just knew the person, it didn't change my relationship with them, but definitely with upper management, they didn't respect that person as much anymore. So I would for sure take that into account as you're making your decisions is you don't want to burn any bridges. The last question we're going to do will be, what is the best advice someone has given you during college and while applying for jobs? I think the, you know, kind of the textbook version of resumes and cover letters is to tailor them to the job. But I think the best advice I got was to first tailor it to yourself and make sure that this speaks to yourself and what you want to do. And then secondarily, tailor it to the job. Because um, I think, at least in my case, I am very motivated by certain things and unmotivated by other things. And I was just trying to be whatever the job description said I should be without really thinking, does this resume look like what I want to do at all anymore? So I think, first of all, kind of tailor a resume to yourself and what is authentic to you. And then, you know, tailor it secondarily to the job. I'd say be patient throughout the whole process. And I know that's easier said than done for myself and a lot of other people. But I think also on a, um, like a CV or resume, put little personal snippets of yourself 
Um, so I'm in clinical trials and I put on there, you know, I really I'm motivated because I do have family members with Alzheimer's. Just like put your little personal motivations um, of why you want to work in that field. And I think giving that personal aspect really connects with people on the other end. And you're more than just a piece of paper at that point. I would completely echo what Hillary just said. And even the thing is, is I, when you usually get to the point where you're doing the actual in-person interview, they've probably already decided that they like you on paper. So they're trying to determine, is this someone I want to work, you know, eight hours a day with? Um, so I, I do think that having the personal side and making that personal connection is important um, just because it's, it's not just what you are on paper. It's kind of the whole package deal. So um, I was, I would completely echo that. I think, I mean, there's a lot of great advice that I think the career center and like, you know, department gave when I was in school. Um, but I think one was make sure when you are interviewing that you're also interviewing them and asking questions about, you know, whatever your personal values and beliefs are, um, or, you know, understanding their management style to the best of your ability, understanding team dynamics, um, and knowing yourself and knowing how that will play in, um, was the first thing, because, you know, just because you get a job offer, you don't need to take it if it's not a good fit for you too. Um, Cause you want to be somewhere where you're really going to feel like you can thrive and that they'll invest in you. Um, and then I think the second thing is, I mean, just remember that everybody in these companies are all people too. Um, it's not anything to be really intimidated by. Um, just, you know, be prepared, but also be confident. Like you're at NC state. Um, you are definitely, I mean, just getting in <laughs> to NC state shows that you are, you know, a stellar, you know, academic performer. So just, just kind of carry that Wolfpack pride with you too. Yeah. And I would say as you're doing the interview process, there might be um, jobs that you don't get an interview for or jobs that you interview with and they do not offer you a job. I wouldn't let that discourage you. Um, I would say, learn from those, take the things from those interviews and those conversations and take them as learning opportunities in how you frame them in your mind rather than viewing them as a failure. I think one of the things that I learned um, late in my college career and early in my professional career was that every time you um, fail or have a situation that you personally categorize as fail, but may not actually be a failure, use that as a learning opportunity rather than something that you knock yourself, um, like beat yourself up for. Um, and I think that that really helped me because now there's been things from what I considered personal personally a failure that I've learned from. And when they came up again, later on down the road, I was able to succeed in that situation. And I felt like proud of myself for that, or um, a manager did or things like that. And so I would say, don't get discouraged by the things that seem like discouraging to you, but use them as opportunities to learn. For me personally, I have to really, um, like people have to tell me to really let go of like me trying to perfect every detail. Um, like I would literally not start on my resume because I'm like, oh, I can't think of a good I can't think of a good objective um, right now. And like, I would let that deter me from like really getting things done, but just, you know, taking little steps, whether it's setting up a mock interview with the career center or, you know, looking on LinkedIn at jobs and trying to tailor your resume, just taking those little steps will get you a lot further along the way than like waiting for everything to line up perfectly. So we are at our time. Uh, if we did not get to your questions, I'm sorry. But thank you so much to our panelists for joining us uh, and bringing their success stories and their advice to our crew.